Welcome to the Produce Industry Podcast, your weekly download on current events, trends, market reports, and community discussions. Join us each week from Tampa, Florida, as we cover all aspects of the produce supply chain industry. Ladies and gentlemen, here's your host, Patrick Kelly. Hey, produce people, welcome back to the Produce Industry Podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Kelly. As always, I'm honored to be here coming to you live from Tampa, Florida. Today is Monday, February 7, 2022, and the first Monday in February, everyone. So welcome. Did you attend the Global Organic Produce Expo last week in Hollywood, Florida at the Seminole Hard Rock Casino? If you didn't, you missed out on some great education sessions, the networking, and overall fun in the casino. Don't worry though, because Southeast Produce Council's Southern Exposure Show is coming up March 3rd through the 7th in Orlando, Florida. So get ready for more networking and more produce fun, everyone. Now on today's episode, we are gonna talk marketing matters. That's right, we have two marketing professionals in the produce and supply chain industry that are gonna bring some knowledge to the table and help make your life easier while chatting up and having some fun as well. Today, I have a very special co-host, Mary Heslip, Senior Vice President at 10 Acre Marketing. Now, no stranger to the show as of the last couple of years, she's been on and off the show and also helping promote and having fun live with fresh produce. Now, our second guest and feature of the show, everyone, Andy Garces, who is a marketing manager with expertise in campaign design, B2B and B2C sales, key brand messaging, and digital and social media promotions. So let's get Mary mic'd up and ready to go so we can start off Marketing Matters, everyone, because it does in the produce and supply chain industry, and we're going to talk about it today. So join us for Marketing Matters. Hey, Mary, welcome back. Hey, Patrick. I'm excited to be here, as always. Another day, another hour another time. And, you know, I would say in 2021, in 2020, there were different roles and different conversations that you and I were willing to have. Now we are talking so different conversations and I think I'm loving it even more. Oh, that's sweet. Me too. It's pandemic year three, but (laughs) what I'm most excited about right now is it's Super Bowl. I have Super Bowl fever. Um, and my boy, Tom Brady is out, but that's okay. Where the bucks at? (laughs) Today, we've got a free agent with us, Pat. I'm so excited to have Andy Garces with us today. I thought you were going to say Tom got let go. (laughs) (laughs) Hi, Andy. Hey, Mary. Hi, Patrick. How are you? Hey, Andy. Fantastic. Especially, you know, I got to bring this up because if you do know me, um, I am not the biggest football fan. Now I am a football fan, um, but not as big as a football fan. I'm an LA chargers. I previously San Diego. I've been a loser my whole life. Okay. Andy, Mary, they've, they've never been anywhere. The chargers keep moving cities and we'll get there, but you know, football's huge. What is even bigger is the parties and the amount of produce that is going to be. Oh, God, and we love that. We right? love the produce parties. Yes, we do. Oh, man. I just keep thinking about what is going to be in some of these bowls, salsas, mixes, side dishes that, that's this coming week. And that's funny. People are getting excited about the game. Look what we're getting excited about. Food. <laughs> the dips, the chips. I love it. I, I, I mean, listen, this is what it's about. Fresh produce consumption, 
and really getting the word out there. I love it, Andy. We met, geez, I think it's almost been two years now. We met online, virtually, um, back uh, when you were with Fresh Direction. Yeah. And now you are a free agent. You're on the market right now, which I think, hey, listen, if you're a company out there listening, might want to talk to Andy. And uh, you've done a lot within your career so far, being so new to produce, man. Like when you told me, like, I just jumped into produce in the last few years. I was like, what? And I jumped in right during COVID, right? So it was a very interesting time, I would say. I'm starting to see things level out and it's become like a bit different. And one of the things that I really love uh, recently is, is getting on those events, right? That event marketing, joining those trade shows. It's so impactful. And so I've had a lot of fun putting these things together. I remember uh, when I went to, I believe it was Southern Exposure, you were doing your, mm. your generational talk, right? And oh, I was. Great. You yeah. were there for that? Oh, I was, man. I was. I saw. I found it so interesting because I think it's so important, especially within marketing, right? When we're talking about these different demographics and these different people we're trying to hit, that, that generation, it makes a difference. You know, millennials are obviously going to respond differently than, you know, your Gen Zs or your Gen X. So it was, it was really interesting. Hey, listen, Andy. one person listened. I'm so excited. <laughs> generationally i mean i think that's a really great point pat is obviously an expert um given his millennial boom book but i'm curious what you think andy about generations and how we can reach them like what are different generations going to be eating for the super bowl this year oh that's a good question absolutely yeah i think that that plays a huge role in it right because we're seeing millennials are very much about the health trends right now right so we're very on the go i would say as a millennial myself we're very on the go. We're looking for something quick and easy. You know, when we talk about, you know, these Super Bowl parties, we want snacks that are either almost pre-made, pre-put together or something we could throw together, but something that's very healthy, very health yeah. conscientious. I think the Gen X is more about let's grab some dip, let's grab some chips, let's throw it all together. Not as focused, I would say, on some of these health trends. So I think our produce, we're really going to hit the, the millennials. You right, said but- something that got me though. So my <laughs> brother's girlfriend, so my, we're, we're all in our thirties, my brothers are, and I, and, but his girlfriend, she was in her forties, you know, five years ago, but you're so right, Andy, like when she would make like the bean dip, it was like, she just went and got like the Frito-Lay bean dip. She went and got the cheese. Like yeah. it was, don't get me wrong. Like don't, you can still make do with that. I'm saying make do, this is so bad. Like it's just so bad, but like, you're so right. You just hit it to me because the Gen X, that older generation, it is. It's like, go get the Tostitos, dump it in. Okay, the bean dip, dump it in. We'll throw some sour cream, boom, boom. We're like, let's cut some chives. Let's cut some fresh tomatoes. Let's slice a couple avocados. So you, you, you hit it, man, right when you said that. And we're that. like right in that in between, I feel, right? Because like we want to do something healthy for show and then we want like that experience and all of that. I feel like Gen Z is more about let's make something pretty, snap some pics and throw it out because I don't <laughs> He said it. Right. Look, no, I'm good. And I'm so, a Gen Xer myself, Andy. I'm not going to take any offense. I have been known to throw a bag of chips in a bowl and put it out with some store-bought guacamole. However, I think you're definitely onto something. We see these shopper trends all the time. But you're telling me you don't take pictures of your food? Oh, I definitely do. That's what I'm saying <laughs> in between, right? Because I'll take the pictures. I'll post it for the cloud. And then I'll look at a Gen Z's post and be like, I don't know why I tried. Ah, it's so, <laughs> no, you you are right though. I was out to dinner with my uh, my father and my best friend when I was in Los Angeles. Um, geez, that was almost a month ago. 
And it was crazy because he, he, my buddy, he's a, he's a millennial, but he's a big foodie. So he takes, he's like, I don't know how he does it. Like I have the same phone as he does. Like I swear. And I, I don't know how he does it, but I took like this picture of like my lobster and I had, like asparagus and broccoli on it. And I was like, man, whatever this dude like comes over, he posted the next day. And I'm like, where'd you get that picture of that lobster and asparagus? He goes, that's what you ate for dinner last night. I was like, I did. I was like, that does not look like the picture that I took, but I ate the entire meal though too, Andy. Right. And it's so important. And, and those pictures and that impact and that, that kind of, you see that and you're like salivating for it. Right. And then you're like, I have to have that. Where did you get mm -hmm. that? And I think those are some of the trends we're seeing um, just throughout marketing and in produce is taking these fresh uh, fruit, these fresh veggies, making these recipes with them that look realistic. Not, I'm not talking about that propped food styling. I'm talking about those recipes where you see and, and you just like want to take a big bite out of it. And I think that that's where it's going. I think that that's, that's a lot to do with like the, that millennial trend versus like, you know, Gen X where you have the stuff that looks pretty that you aspire to get to, but you know, you never will. And the stuff that you're like, I, I want to try that. Where can I find that? Where can I, I want that? it now? Yeah. yeah, I agree. I agree. What do you think Gen Xer? Yeah, I know. I'm sitting here trying, you know, to be as cordial as possible. I'm kidding. So, I, but, but I, Andy, you're onto something. I mean, like how I think as produce um, marketers, we have to figure out how to really harness the energy of this, right? No matter the generation. And you were talking about um, kind of the grab and go and how do we make it convenient, but also beautiful. And we know that it's not about just the in-store experience, but like how do we make the at-home experience, once you get it there, how do you make it Instagram worthy? Because we don't just want to take a picture and put it on Instagram. We want to enjoy the experience of a beautiful meal, right? So what do we do as marketers to like guarantee that experience for the consumer? Well, I would say for there, we definitely want to talk about each commodity individually almost, right? Because then we get into the demographics. Who's buying what commodity? Yep. Who's more likely to be buying avocados versus strawberries? And what are they going to do with it, right? When we talk about some of these, like, you know, the, the halos, the little oranges, things like that, it's geared towards more family-friendly, kids' snacks, things like that. So you're, you're kind of marketing towards mothers mm -hmm. versus when you have something like an avocado that's very versatile, you're talking about what's trending health-wise. Are we going to use avocado to snap on toast for brunch? Are we going to use it to make guac for a Super Bowl party? You know, what are we using? So I think the actual commodity itself also plays a huge role in how we're going to market that. So Andy, you obviously just came from avocados. You're still in this space. You're still living and loving avocados. What, you know, being in produce for two years, what have you learned about avocados? What are you going to take with you into this oh next role? I learned probably more than I should have about avocados. <laughs> I have avocados on the brain 24 seven now. All I can think about is every time I go to the grocery stores, I'm like, let me look at their avocados. And then I want to see, and I want yep. to pick up, I want to feel them. I want to know, you know, mm, no, this one's not good. Oh, the density in that one's off. Um, I would say I have learned a lot about different varietals. One of the things I, I knew absolutely nothing about going into avocados was how many different kinds of avocados there are, right? Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people just have in their head that there's two types. You have your Haas, which is that, that smaller one with the pebbly skin. And then you have your what people don't like to call them green skins, right? Now they're known as tropical avocados, but beyond being tropical avocados, there's varieties of tropical and they ripen differently. And so I think a lot of that is, is kind of educating the consumer in kind of a casual way. Uh, you know, in, in the previous company, we were experimenting with different PLUs and how playing with different colors and color coding and maybe giving them personality. So 
kind of teaching the consumer, you know, what are these different types? How do they work? How do they ripen so that they become familiar and they understand and then they want it? You know, this is the yeah. one I want for salads. This is the one I want for guac. So I definitely learned a lot about avocados. Now, and Pat, what do you know about avocados? I know that they're one of my favorite fruits. There you go. And, <laughs> listen, avocados is a staple item. And I will tell you, I always, uh, if you're a uh, consumer or if you're a listener out there, I always call myself the ignorant American. Okay. Why do I say that? Because one, I have lived in other countries and I've graduated college from other countries. So I get to say that because I've been in other countries looking at things like, huh? What? You, you guys do what? Who? So when I moved to Florida just about three years ago, and it's funny, Andy, I lived in, in Florida during high school, um, but I never realized like the actual, like the culture and the demographic. So we're, we're going to circle this back to avocados, trust me. Yeah. Um, and the reason I'm saying this is because when I lived in California, the Central Valley uh, for almost 14 years, uh, the second time, and when I would go to a Safeway or a Save Mart or a Whole Foods, a Winco, it doesn't matter, right? It was California oranges. It was like Washington apples, like, right. It, it wasn't anything outside the geographical region of the West coast. And it's so funny because now I live in Tampa and I get here and, and I'm like, what is, I thought the Florida crop of citrus was gone. Like how is there 17 varieties of tangerines and blah, 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 blah. Right. So I'm starting to learn these things. Right. And I remember the first time I came back, and I told my wife, I said, hey, I said, taco, we do Taco Tuesday all the time. And I love my Taco Tuesday, everyone. And I can tell you, she grabbed these massive softball looking green things. And I was like, I'm not eating that. Ooh, softball sounds like a car, though. And she was just like, I'm not eating. And I was like, well, what is this thing? And she's like, it's an avocado. I was like, that's not an avocado. Avocados are black and they're from California. And she was just like, <laughs> no, she's like, it was like this big green avocado. And it was crazy, Andy, because ready, the culture, the demographics, I started learning what to use tropical avocados for, right? I started learning about the oil content in a California versus a Mexican versus a, I would say, Florida slash Dominican Republic, right? And then now, uh, ready, Renee will go to the store, uh, avocados which color do you want? And I'm like, well, we're making a salad. And she's like, got it. So now it's like you said earlier and Mary educating the customer. I'm a customer myself. I finally was educated on these huge green avocados. Now I buy avocados from California, Mexico and tropical avocados now from wherever they come from. Awesome. And you know, what's funny about that is it actually works in the reverse. So believe it or not, the demographic here in Miami, I would say like in South Florida, they're not well-versed so much on the Haas. Because they see these avocados and all they're thinking is, what am I getting, you know, what am I getting myself into? I, see, I go to the market, I see this huge avocado and this little one. I don't want that little one. I want the value, I'm baby. getting the big one. I'm, I want more avocado for my money, right? Because we're talking about family of five. We're all splitting. Everybody's getting avocado on their plate. We're cutting, you know, slices. We're not going to do a little hops. And so it's kind of understanding that they're both great. You know, both types of avocados are great, but when should we get, you know, which one is yes. better yeah. for what, right? You know, which yeah. one is better to mash for guac, which one is better to use for salad or hundred percent. So I mean I think you're right. And to the point it's it is it's, it's so interesting because you got the smaller avocados. You you'll go buy an eight pound bag of citrus, right? You'll go run and do that. 
but avocados, I mean, they are a little expensive, everyone. So you don't get as many of them, but it's true. I mean, I tell my wife when she does get avocados or when I go get avocados, it's like seven to 10. It's not like one to two because myself, I'll eat two on taco Tuesday night. Like I will eat two of them, two whole avocados. So you're right. I mean, it's, it's education. And I'll tell you what we know avocados is staple this coming week. Okay. Like this is going to be through the roof. I'm telling you. Absolutely. It's going to be so exciting. And I think what's really uh, fun for the industry and opportunistic, we've got one big company in produce that keeps investing in the Super Bowl every year. And there's a halo that happens around that. I think it's such a great opportunity for produce marketers. Andy, I think you agree. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. And I think one of the advantages, right, is that the company itself, when they when they make this commercial, they're not just furthering themselves, they're furthering an entire origin of fruit, right? They're basically putting that on your mind. So when you go look for that, you're looking for that specific type of avocado or where it comes from. And that's something that everybody's kind of benefiting from, right? Because we're getting we're getting people in the store to buy that fresh fruit, that fresh produce, and they're making their dips from scratch and you know, everybody wins there. I agree. I agree with that. Well, listen, I can tell you one thing. Marketing matters when it comes to fresh produce, everyone. Um, we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to get back because I want to talk about one thing that everybody is noticing, and that is store displays. Okay. There are tons of store displays going on uh, right now. And uh, I want to get a little bit into what events are on the horizon to let our businesses know out there. Um, and then even the consumers like things as the strawberry festival that's, that's going to be here in Florida. So uh, let's take a quick break, hear from our sponsors and get right back to talking about marketing matters. What's even more convenient than having fresh cut apple slices ready to snack on? Having them delivered to your doorstep. Arctic apple varieties are now included in FlavorWave boxes in the Los Angeles area. Plus, subscribers can scan a special QR code for their chance to win an Arctic apple prize pack. Discover a wave of freshly picked flavor when you crunch into an Arctic golden or an Arctic granny fresh slice. Are you ready to enhance your skills? Every day we are tasked to make fast, effective decisions to keep up with the fast-paced produce industry. At AgTools, we take the pressure off of gathering data to help make your day easier and more enjoyable. Connecting the supply chain with AgTools is unique, practical, and easy. AgTools can be used from multiple angles of the produce industry, from farmers all the way to logistics companies. We call that 360-degree decision-making day after day. Visit www.ag.tools.com to gain more reliable and relevant data to see more, achieve more. And now, back to our show. Welcome back to the Produce Industry Podcast, everyone. It's always great to hear from our sponsors, Dynamite People Delivering Dynamite Content. We're going to get back to talking about marketing matters. Why? Because it does, everyone. If you're a consumer out there listening, you might be walking through the grocery stores and seeing huge citrus displays, huge avocado displays, maybe a mix of asparagus and lemons. This is the time. Winter produce in the United States. 
I want to get back to talking a little bit about that as well as some of the events the produce and supply chain industry is having. So let's welcome our guest back. Mary, welcome back. Hey, thank you. I feel like we've got some marketing momentum going here. I think we do too. What about what about you, Andy? Welcome back, man. I would agree. Welcome back. Yeah. I'm excited. The show must go on, everyone. And I will tell you, uh, I've been getting a lot of uh, pictures sent to me by my buddy Brent Aaron, where Brent and I, uh, we talk on a very regular basis. And a lot of it is picture-based, though. And you're thinking to yourself, what are you talking about? This dude sends me more pictures of, like, in-store displays, like, product shots. And he'll tell me, oh, check this out. Oh, this is in Houston this week. Oh, hey, this is over at HEB. Oh, hey, did you check this new juice out? Oh, hey, we got this new line coming in. And, and, and I see it and I'm like, man, this is crazy. Now, I do live in Tampa. I do live in a very large Bay Area, uh, Andy and Mary. But there's just like every big town, there's small towns within those big cities, right? Uh, so like my Publix, it's a it's a decent sized Publix, but not like the one in downtown Tampa that has the huge displays. So we're starting to see these citrus like displays like Sunkist is having these huge displays. I've seen some banana displays that are incredible and people are going for like Guinness World Records to create like the largest orange citrolicious display. And I think that grabs the customer's attention right when you walk in the front door. If you see fresh produce and smell that citrus aroma it, it draws you in i mean I, I mean at least it does for me absolutely and if anything you know it, it gets a conversation going right because now you want to share this with someone you want to tell them about what you saw so you you start talking about it if you can't see it if you didn't take a picture you're going to google it you're going to show friends so you you're really getting this conversation going about these displays the fruit what they're using whether it's going to be on you know guinness world record or not and then you, you even have some displays that are getting more interactive, right? That are asking people like, take a picture in front of it, use a hashtag, and it's really just propelling it. So you're not just seeing uh, it in the store, you're seeing this online. So I think I that- I like it. It's, it's, yes. it's going digital, right? Not just- Andy, I love that. I love that. And you know what? It's not just the Gen X, Gen Z. Well, I don't even know what generation I am. It's not this younger generation who can take the most beautiful food photos, right? It's like- us old ladies in the supermarket are taking photos of these merchandising displays and putting them on our Facebook, sharing them with our friends. Absolutely. Right? I was just going to say, yeah, Jenna X is on Facebook, like white on rice. I mean, yep. <laughs> right there, taking pictures of everything you see, sharing, and they're the ones that are going to propel it. And that's why, you know, all of these different, even when we talk about social media, all of these different platforms that have their own generational following, right? And the generational yeah. apps. So you have Gen Z's all over TikTok. I would say millennials are all over Instagram. And you have Gen X all over Facebook and everybody's covered. That, there you go. All the bases. And, and, and wait, and the boomers that say, I don't do that. Yeah, but they'll yeah. comment on it. They'll they'll co- oh no, they'll have a Facebook page, like, but they won't. It'll have like one picture, yeah. one picture of them in a suit and uh, maybe a picture of their family. And that that's it. Yeah, no, <laughs> it's it, but it's true though. And, it, and it's not to like, be, like when I wrote my book, Millennial Boom, you know, I was younger, um, not, not, not in my older age. And it was funny because people were like, man, you're just a kid talking crap about the older generation. And I was like, listen, we're not talking smack about the old generation. We're talking facts that each generation is significantly different and it's okay. You know how many times I've had to sit down with my son and say, it's okay to be different. 
It's okay to be the way we are. It's okay to be Pat. It's okay to be Andy. It's okay to be Mary. That's who we are. You know what I mean? And, and that's what's, I think the same as we start to really intertwine this in our, our produce lives too, right? <laughs> right, people? Well, it's um, it, 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 understanding those differences, it makes everyone's job easier, right? Understanding how a generation thinks, what their shopping trends are, what's important yes. to them, that teaches us how to market to them. So whether it's produce or any item, you know, you're going to, you're going to want to know what they're interested in, what they care about, and, that, and then you know how to reach them. Yeah. And so I think that, the, that that was so impactful. And that's why I think it was such a perfect segue because it's like, okay, well, we're talking about produce, but produce is one of those things where everybody's affected, right? Yeah. Everybody has to eat. Everybody, everybody. So how do you market to that? So Andy, that's, that's really insightful. And I think it's super important to understand our audiences as we go into the trade show season, which in produce is like literally the next 12 months, right? It doesn't stop. I was going to say there's a season for trade. I was like, it's like recurring. It's like every month there's something going on. Like I swear. Right. But we need to understand as we're like building our booths and starting to talk about our products and what we're bringing to each individual show, not only the audience there that we're catering to, like why we're going to a specific show, but then also understanding I built this product or we're, we're developing this product for a specific audience. And you have to communicate that through your booth, right? Absolutely. And as we talk about booths and trade shows and just events in general, I think mm-hmm. one of the key things that we always have to remember and keep in mind is the experience. The experience that we are providing for anyone that walks by our booth, that sees the booth, that sees us, you have to make an impact because we have to keep in mind, especially, you know, some of these trade shows are smaller, some are huge. I mean, you've got the PMA where it's, hundreds on hundreds and hundreds of booths and you're walking around and you're seeing the same thing. You're seeing a backdrop that has fresh fruit. You're seeing two or three people in polos and you're seeing some fruits or veggies on a, on a wooden stand. Yeah, right? It's all the same. Yeah. What, what, what is going to make, you know, what's going to stand out at you? What's going to provide that experience. So anything you do different to, you know, catch attention, whether it's, you know, using a theme for your booth or um, you know, what, what you're wearing to promote or to push anything you can to capture and kind of create that experience, that relation, make them remember you, right? And I so agree. Back and it, it starts that conversation. And where you take that conversation is totally up to you and, and how you're going to push that. But I would definitely say one of the, the most important things is creating that experience. Absolutely. I mean, I'm so into that. You know, it's crazy. I had a conversation with uh, Mimo Franzoni. He's a uh, director of procurement at Longo's and uh, teaming up with uh, Equifruit. So... Mimo, myself, and Kim were Chacal were on the line from Equifruit. And you made a good point. You said, you know, get creative, right? You know, in the stores, they had a uh, digital box that when the f- consumer would get close enough to the bananas, it would talk to them. It would be like, hey, did you know? Yeah. You know, boom. And I remember them saying, like, it scared a couple customers, right? Like, oh, whoa, 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 wait, what are we doing here? Um, but they said, like, they got more questions, right? You, you, you intrigued someone. They look and now they're like, whoa, wait a minute. What is fair trade? What is this? Right. So I think it's cool. You know, one thing that, you know, I've always talked about and I always tell everybody I'm, I'm no marketing guy. I'm a sales guy. And that's what I've been most of my life. But I, I say the same thing, you know, when I, when I did booths, you know, back in 2010, 2011, I was the guy that didn't do a backdrop. I bought a 70 inch TV and was having like 
all of our pictures of our, of us, like in the field and working, like showing hustle and doing all these things. And then we would, we would sell oranges. Right. So I wouldn't put oranges there. I would put orange juice there. Right. I would always try to put something else to interact them. Right. Because then they would go to grab the orange juice and go, Oh, you guys sell orange juice. And I'd go, no. Right. And then I'd be able to have the conversation with them. Right. So I never put what our product was on the table ever, ever. And I never put our full logo anywhere on our booth ever. We never did. What, what we did was we put symbolic messaging. Oh, here's a citrus guy with a mohawk. Look, whoa, very memorable, right? Oh, let's put a grape guy or maybe a peach guy with a uh, cardigan on with his hands in his pockets. So we started doing things to make people say, what what do you guys do? You know, and it would, it would draw them in to looking at pictures of 20 year olds, because that's what, when we were doing these booths, we were farming, like we were out there. And I mean, farming, like we were going out to the ranches, buying groves, sending them to packing houses, packing fruit, you know, doing all these things. But yet we never said who we were. Our company was called Kelly brothers. Like no one, like no one cared after the fact, but they were just like, wait a minute. So you make a great point. And the same thing with Agafruit. We got to make a way to touch the consumers differently. And I wish, like, I just, I really do, you know, California Citrus Mutual did it right uh, before the pandemic. Um, every year they had their Citrus Showcase, okay? And I would always get a booth. It was so awesome. $700 for a booth. Andy, Mary, you're like, well, that's a pretty good oh, price. It was at the yeah. Visalia Convention Center in California, which is the heart of Citrus, right? In, yeah. in the Valley. And uh, day number one was the setup and the speaking. And then guess what they did? They invited every single school, the colleges, and we all had to work our booths. And then when those kids came around, we had to have giveaways for the kids, actually. So they would let all these children come in and out of these trade shows. And I remember the first time going to this trade show, I was like, dad, what is going on? Why are there so many kids here? But my dad was like, no, the, the citrus community gets the children involved. And then we had a whole area from the citrus research board of every different variety of citrus cut up for the children to try to let us know what they thought about that piece of citrus. And I, to this day, I've told Mary this a hundred times over. I said, if if we ever decide to put a together in-person event with our core group, it just wait, it's going to be fire. Like I'm telling you, because I think we can draw the community. you're, You're spending the money anyway. Right. You know, right. what's the point of spending the money to do a booth that people are going to overlook. Right. You know, and so and, and that that reach that you get is not even instant. Starting that conversation makes you memorable. One more person you get to know. And, and even as you were talking about, you know, not putting your logo on places. And that's very interesting because a lot of these companies, right, we have a couple of different logos and a couple of different company names we go by because you have your consumer logo, your consumer brand, and then you have yourself as a company. And so I think even that differs between the trade shows that you're going to, who are you trying to reach? You know, what does the buyer care about? You know, do they care about the way that you're farming your fruit? Then what you need to have at the forefront is your organic processes, your farms. What do you talk about? That may not be as, you know, sexy to catch your attention. So you might have a different way to do that, but you want to make sure that that's the information you're putting out versus a consumer brand needs to be a little bit more fun, a little bit more lighthearted, something that anybody can relate to or get excited about. So I think there's a couple of things that come into play with that. So Andy, you're saying that we have to come up with a strategy for every different show and really know who the audience is? 
every different show requires a completely different strategy, I would say. Absolutely. Yes. You Absolutely. need to know what your target audience is going to be, what your expectations are going to be, what are the goals that you're really setting yourself for? You know, what do you expect out of this trade show? You're not just going to the trade show to attend. You're not going to, to check a box. You're going for a reason. You're investing money for a reason. And that needs to be played out to the tiniest detail, even giveaways, you know. We've experimented, you know, in my previous company with a couple of different giveaway options. And I think it, while it is very important to have something tangible, I would keep information digital and make whatever that tangible thing is something that someone cares about. Otherwise, you're going to have pens with logos that are going to be thrown out or thrown to the back and, and you kind of just wasted the money altogether, right? Did you hear the episode with John Pandel? You can't handle the truth with John Pandel. He says that, Andy. <laughs> He was actually where he recorded the episode was in a storage room where they kept all of their trade show memorabilia, which is pens from <laughs> 1991 that they still have. Like, so he has all this stuff that they ordered and they, they, they want the logos changed, right? The, yeah. the companies. And so they have tons of stuff and he goes, we keep it as inventory. And I was like, he's like, we got a whole room full of it, but it's so true. I mean, if you're not going to engage, no one wants a pen. Like yeah. there is, they do, but you got to engage with them in the right way to make them want that pen to make them want that book. I mean, listen, I could go around and give everybody a free book. You know how many times I've tried to give somebody a book and they say, no, thank you. Ah, oh, no, thank you. I'm good. But if you tell them the story, Hey, you know, boom, boom. They're oh man, give me that. Yeah. I want to read that. I want to check. Give me that pen. I want, I'll check that out. And even going, even going with everything digital, you know, one of the things we did was we did, you know, we would put QR codes uh, you know, tie it to a PDF, whatever. If anybody comes around for information, scan the QR code, save it on your phone. You can go back to it whenever you want. If I give you a pamphlet, a book, a brochure, chances are that's not even going to make it back to the hotel room, right? It's right. going to be because thrown out of ways you don't like. The last thing I do before I check out of that hotel room is try to ensure that I'm only bringing home the things that are worth carrying home. Even business cards, I would tell you, like when I, whenever we get business cards at trade show, I would just take a picture of the business card and dump the business card. That's what yeah. I do. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I try to, we don't want the paper. We don't want the mass. It's just not necessary. And so the QR code, I think the digital way is definitely the way to go uh, in terms of relating information. And then if you're going to give someone a giveaway, something tangible, make it something they want, something they can use, something that they, you know, are going to want to keep and look at, you know, one of the things we exper uh, experimented with was like themed pins. Right. So I, I believe uh, Southern exposure, right. We had like, there was like a star Wars theme. So we yes. did star Wars pins. Yep. that everybody loved and you know it was simple it had the logo and it conveyed the message we were trying to convey people loved it they wanted to keep it and all the information we were still able to send digital yeah those are in my box like you know how we all have like boxes you know what i mean like that we store stuff in yeah those are like with my coins and like my like the, i like honestly like they're probably worth nothing andy like you said but like they they're valuable to me to you, yeah. i enjoy them like i it's crazy like people like so many different things, right? That you'll keep, but if it's a part of that connection, you will, you'll keep it. There's so many things that I keep that my wife is like, why do you keep that? Because it's an emotional connection that you have. And you know, an experience. Like experience. Yeah. Exactly, Mary. Yeah, it's, just, it's creating that experience. With real, yeah, the, the real, ex, the real the, the experience. No, I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you. Well, let's talk about it, Mary. Uh, what trade shows are, are, are on the horizon? Like, I know we've talked about, let's see, we got SCPC coming up next. 
Yeah. That's yeah. You guys were just talking about Southern exposure. So we'll be in Orlando in a few short weeks here, um, which will be exciting. And, you know, they actually kind of weathered the pandemic storm. I think it was a little bit of luck and a little bit of planning, but they did not get canceled through this whole past couple of years. They were the ones that kept, um, kept their booths up. And then after that, I think we're headed down to Texas for a Texas International Produce Association also kind of weathered the storm and has been able to have in-person events. There's a couple marketing events in there between the two. Um, but the trade shows really that I think everyone are looking at right now is SEPC and, and Viva Fresh. SEPC is, I would say, one of my favorite for sure. What I love that they do is they always have a theme, right? Every year. Yep. Uh, this year they're doing Marvel of Produce and it just, they're already doing half the work for you. They're laying out the brickwork. <laughs> Take that theme and run with it. Customize your booth. I mean, you have the opportunity to really be creative here with that and make your booth stand out. Why not? Yeah. Yeah, that's I, a great point. Mm-hmm. We might or might not have booths this year. I'm still on like the, the cusp of that because sometimes you can get stuck at your booth too. You know what I mean? So it's very hard. It's, it's one of those investments you got to make that are you willing to take the investment to open your own store and let people choose to come to your store or are you the mobile store that travels and goes to all the other little stores and says hello, right? So uh, there's so many ways if you're in the produce industry to look at how you're going to you know, develop that strategy. But I believe that it is definitely a strategy in every situation. You know, Mary and I, you know, we've been working together and we talk about this, you know, a vendor showcase versus an actual, you know, regional showcase versus a national showcase. There's different goals in every single one of them. I mean, and like you said, Andy, the strategy becomes more in depth. And, and again, then that's where those costs come. You know, what's interesting is I got to bring this up, you know, because we, we look at how to, to measure ROI um, in this, right? Like we look at, hey, how do we measure ROI inside of a trade show room floor? Like, right? Is it the people that just come by the booth? Is it the amount of business cards, right, Andy? Um, right. But we got to look at this is that you are showcasing your brand. It takes seven touches of your brand before someone says yes. That's and guess what? That's exactly what I was going to say. Yeah. And then how are you put right? You're building up your brand equity, right? People have to become familiar with your brand and your company as a whole before they can even decide to take you on as a customer or to experiment or try your product. And being able to physically connect with that versus sending out an email, I mean, it's definitely a more physical touch. Right? Night and day. No, yeah. it is. And I, I think mean, I, seven seems small to me, Patrick. I usually say it takes 22 impressions to get any type of brand equity with a consumer or a customer. I think it's exactly what you're saying, Andy, and, and you said this earlier today too, you have to have a strategy. And if you haven't set an objective or a KPI, how can you measure at the end of the day? And we all know the question you get as soon as a trade show ends, how was the show for you, mm-hmm. right? That's like the small talk when we're at the airport or we're all waiting for a cab or an Uber. How yeah, was it? Did you have a good show? Well. Yeah. And if you did, if you hadn't set those KPIs or those objectives, then you kind of think back like, well, did I meet enough people? Did I do this? Did I do that? If you have a goal and a target going into it, then that answer is pretty easy. Absolutely. And I like to label, you know, when, when we come back with you know, this plethora of business cards and all of these people, I like to kind of record where they came from. So if yep. that ever does that relationship ever 
evolves or develops, we can trace it back to that one. And just maybe that one account makes everything worth it, apart from all the brand equity that we got and, and all of the, you know, the word of mouth. Yeah. It only takes one. I, I mean, Mary and I have talked about this. I mean, Andy, I mean, you know this, you, you have other conversations with people. It's like, it only takes one person to make the day. It only takes one person to make a trade show. It only makes one deal, you know, for that success. So, you know, we got to stop focusing on, you know, when you send all these multiple people to trade shows, you're like, Hey, you know, we need ROI on you and ROI on you and ROI on you. Remember, this is a team effort. Everyone we're all selling, we're all buying, we're all trying to get fresh produce, uh, to those retail outlets that all you yes. consumers go purchase. So uh, listen, I I've had a great time talking about marketing. I think we are going to have a marketing matters, marketing minute conversation, probably in the near future, once a month. I, I think that it's important that one consumers know what we're doing for them and how we're marketing to them, as well as the industry need to, needs to know uh, the different avenues, the different platforms and the different verticals to help advertise and market these things. So uh, Andy, I want to thank you for coming on the show today, but I do want to ask you, man, you know, being a free agent that you are, um, how can people get a hold of you, man? How could people reach out to you and, and try to get with you? Man? I mean, I'm on LinkedIn. I'll definitely forward that over and you can reach me on my email address. So I'll share that as well. Awesome. So we're going to look for his LinkedIn profile and his email address. We're going to put those in the comments of the show for you, everyone. So if you want to go ahead and reach out, you can go ahead and reach out to Andy direct. So again, thank you for coming on the show today, Andy. Big pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. I had a great time with you guys. Thanks, Mary. Thanks, Patrick. All right, yeah, man. Good to see you, Andy. Oh, Mary, that was great. Listen, having Andy on, having you on, I think this is a great way to start off the first quarter and this, uh, I would say January off with a bang and into February, it's just fantastic. I, I love that we had the idea uh, to get Andy on the line today to talk about marketing. It's He was great, Patrick. And I really appreciate that he came into this industry in the middle of a pandemic. And he's not only learned so much about avocados, but he had a really great insights to share about marketing fresh produce. And I enjoyed having a, um, a fresh voice, if you will, on your podcast again. Hey, listen, listen, that's what we do. And as Dan, the produce man says, it's always best when you get it fresh, everyone. So we will see you in the fields and on the horizon. You've been listening to the Produce Industry Podcast with Patrick Kelly. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes or Anchor to get new, fresh weekly episodes. For more, please follow us on Instagram and Facebook at the Produce Industry Podcast. Until next time, see you in the fields or on the horizon.